Well, good morning, everyone watching. It's good to be together. Um, I know that Lydianne was a blessing to many of us. I know that she impacted many of our lives. Um, she was a gift to this church. She was a gift to so many of us for so many years. Some of us knew her for a lot longer, but um, I know that everyone who came into contact with Lydianne was really really touched by the presence of Jesus that was with her. And um, I know that she longed to be with Jesus. I, I uh, was just thinking after she left and we were driving, Jess and I, and Jess said she, she can be with Alvin now and, and she can even more importantly be with Jesus. And what a gift. So we are with you, Fry family. We are praying for you. Tanya, Carlin, we're praying for you and your kids. And it's hard. But again, it's so great to know that we do not grieve as those who have no hope. We have hope. We have eternal life. We will see Lydiane again. That's it's glorious. It's glorious. It really is. <laughs> I'll try to transition here. I, yeah okay you know during covid there was a husband he uh he purchased a world map and then he, he went to his wife and he said i want you to throw a dart and wherever the dart hits on this map we're gonna go once this pandemic ends and uh unfortunately they're gonna be spending two weeks living behind the fridge but you know 2020 was a year like no other Right? It actually had 29 days in February, but it felt like it had about 300 days in March and probably about five years in April. So, and we're not even talking yet about at-home learning and all the, the adventure that that's been throughout this year. I'm not having a conversation with myself. I'm having a parent-teacher conference, right? Right. Most of us, I think, count wait to turn the page on 2020 in some respects. Let's, you know, the, the general sentiment has been, let's just get on to 2021. Surely, like surely it's got to be better this year than what 2020 was. But what if it isn't? What, what if, this is the question that I've been dwelling on and thinking about in the last couple of weeks is, what if the expectations that I have for 2021 aren't met? What if the lockdowns and the restrictions don't lift the way that we expect or want them to? What if the new vaccines promised aren't as effective as we assume? What if new strains of COVID come and put us back into restrictions? What if infection rates go back up again? What if the economy doesn't rebound the way that we expect it to? What if, what if, what if? And so I want to talk this morning, because there's lots of what-ifs right now, how to be content in 2021, no matter what happens. How, how do you feel as we enter 2021? How, how are you feeling right now? Are you frustrated? Are you fatigued? Are you encouraged? Are you hopeful? Are you anxious? Are you unsure? Wherever you are right now this morning, I want to ask you a question. What are you looking to? What are you counting on in 2021 for contentment? Because we all seek contentment. We search for it. We pursue it. We all long for it. We have expectations of it. 
We feel incomplete when it's absent in our lives. And for all the hope and all the positive messages around 2021, we don't know what this year holds. We don't know what we might have to face. We don't know what we might have to endure this year. And if 2021 doesn't follow the script that you are hoping for, how and where are you going to find your contentment? This is true for any year. It's not just 2021. We always have expectations, but the experience of 2020 seems to have heightened our desire to find fulfillment in 2021. Like, maybe restrictions are going to lift. We're going to get to travel. Maybe we're going to get to do this. Maybe we're going to get to do that. But what if we can't? What if we don't? And so to help us find answers in Scripture this morning, we want to go to the Word. I want to focus on Paul's letter to the Philippians. Because in it, Paul, he spoke of having found the secret of contentment in his life. And, and it's interesting because mystery cults were a thing in the, in the first century. They were, they were prevalent in the Roman Empire. These, these mystery cults that they claimed to hold secrets that you would find out once you were brought in and initiated. And then they would let you know that these are the secrets they found. And so Paul, he's talking about having found the secret. And I wonder if it's almost like the secret. But he says, I found the secret to true contentment. And it's an open secret, actually, that he invites others to experience. And so I want to read a few verses this morning from Philippians 4 for us. Philippians 4, verses 10 to 13. Paul says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Father, we receive these words this morning as truth. We receive them as the very words of you. These words have power to do extraordinary things in us as we apply them. We receive them and we say, Jesus, would you have your way with us this morning? Would you speak to us? Would your presence be with us this morning? Amen. So these, these verses that we just read, they include the verse that might be the most quoted in all the New Testament and often the most misquoted. The verse of, I can do all things or I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And, and so having an understanding of the context of flow, of thought, of Philippians is really important if we're to grasp and to understand the fullness of what Paul's claiming here, and, and receive its profound truth for our lives. Paul sent this letter from a jail cell in Rome. He's in chains. He is uncertain of his fate. He's longing to know how the church in Philippi is doing. 
He's not living in a comfort-laden 21st century Western life filled with convenience, filled with government support checks and tax breaks. He's completely dependent on the Lord and the practical support of others. And it's within the wider context, actually, of this letter as a whole that we can see that the, the presence of this contentment in, at work in Paul and in his life, this source of, this, of his contentment, we can see it, what it is, and how he pursued this presence, its presence in his life. And my conviction, and I'm thinking this is true for many of us, is that the Holy Spirit spoke through these words, and as I seek to um, understand them, as I seek to understand what they mean, they hold truth and power for my life. And as I seek to live them out, I am inviting the transforming work of the Holy Spirit within me through this, through the work of God. And so all that to clarify, I, I believe there's profound truth and power in these words that are written to the Philippians when it comes to learning how we can be content. And so no matter what comes at you in 2021, is there truth for you to embrace that will lead you to be content and lead you to experience contentment. Is there? And I believe there is. And so I want to highlight six practices that we can pursue to be content in 2021, no matter what happens that we find and we see in Philippians. First is to rely on Jesus in everything. In everything. This is not cliche, and I know that it can come off as that, but that is where it begins and that's where it ends. Total dependence on Jesus. This is where Philippians 4.13 can be misquoted and abused. Right? I, I can do everything through Jesus who gives me strength. It's, it's one of those verses that you can pick out and it's, it seems so perfect. I can do all things. With Jesus, I can accomplish my dreams. Except that's not what it meant. And I actually don't think Paul would be too thrilled to hear us interpreting it like that. In light of Paul's situation and the rest of the letter, I think it's better to understand it to mean, regardless of the situation or circumstances, I can be content as I rely on Jesus' strength to help me endure and respond well. It was more, Jesus, help me to bear the struggle and the weight of a tough time than it was with Jesus, there's no limit to my potential. And thankfully, that meets most of us where we really, really need Jesus. In the tough and the messy situations of life that feel so overwhelming, so exhausting, so all-encompassing, with Jesus, I can learn how to respond well. Paul is actually, he's potentially bordering on being sarcastic in verse 13. He's, he's purposely being controversial. The word there he uses for content, it actually means in the Greek to be self-sufficient. And, and this was the claim of so many of the day. This was the cultural ideology of the day. To learn secrets so that you knew better than others. And Paul's coming at this, he's saying, I've found the way to be self-sufficient. I've found the way. You're going, what? You've found the way, Paul, to be self-sufficient? 
I, he's saying, I can be self-sufficient in any and every situation. Yeah, that's what he's saying. It doesn't matter what I'm facing. I can rise above it all, he's saying. Except, he's saying, it's not about my strength. It's about his strength. As Paul says in chapter 1, it's about the help given to me by the Spirit of Jesus. My self-sufficiency is actually Jesus' sufficiency. See, and this is so crucial. This is a hinge point for our lives because the temptation for all of us is, 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 is in us. And that is that it can provide immediate relief, although only short term. And that is to rely on what we accumulate, accomplish, or financially achieve. And that temptation is real. It's the danger lurking for all of us to look to the temporal, to feel satisfied and fulfilled. And it's dangerous because given the right circumstances, it can be incredibly deceptive and provide convincing satisfaction for a long time. This is the way of the world, Paul says in chapter 3. Being consumed with earthly things, seeking glory in ourselves. But contentment is not dependent on what you have or could have. It never satisfied. It's having stuff or accumulating or achieving is no guarantee for contentment. It never satisfies. Paul was in a horrible situation, actually. That's the reality of when he's writing Philippians. He, it was a horrible set of circumstances he was in. Loss of freedom, no ability to achieve or accomplish anything. Facing the real possibility of death. Dependent on others for just basic necessities. How can a guy like that speak of contentment? And what we see in Philippians is that Paul, he's cultivated practices out of his relationship with Jesus that fostered contentment in his life that can have the same effect in our lives. So number two, how do we be content no matter what happens? Look to serve others. Philippians 2 verses 1 to 4 says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Paul encourages the church to stand firm in the Holy Spirit, striving together for the work of the gospel in chapter 1. And then he writes, he says, this is how you're going to live this out together. This is how you're going to work this out. These words in Philippians 2. Fostering this attitude of Jesus in your life as you follow his way. This is the way of Jesus. You are to see others as more significant, as better, as more important than yourself. I, I actually, I don't want to say a whole lot about these words. I actually don't think I need to. Because they land with such weight because they cut across our inherent selfishness and inclination to just make it all about ourselves. And we all know that's an inclination we have. 
Paul says in chapter 4, he says, whatever you have learned, received, heard from him or seen in him, Again, as much as we can deduce from our study, we didn't know Paul, but we, as we glean scripture and as we see what we see in Paul, what we heard from him, he says, put it into practice. Whatever you've heard, put it into practice. And so as we seek to put the way of Jesus, the attitude of Jesus into practice in our lives, it produces God's peace in us. The very presence of God and his peace will be with us, it says. In Philippians 4. If we would commit to grow in this attitude that Paul speaks of in Philippians 2, in this attitude of Jesus this year, just looking to serve others, do you think we would experience more contentment in our lives? I think so. And this also reminds me, so I was thinking about this, it's like, Paul, watch your attitudes. Which is like, Sometimes a daily, hourly, minutely, if that's a word, need for me. Watch your attitudes. I was, I was thinking about this, and I've, I've heard about it. I haven't read the book. Maybe I should, but I know Jenny Allen did a, script, a study on Philippians, and she titled it, Get Out of Your Head. And I was like, yeah, I, there's something to that. Third practice that we can have for contentment. Guard your mind. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Philippians 4, I think it's verse 8. I don't have it in front of me. What you think about, what you dwell on, what you ponder, what you invest in your cognitive processing in affects your contentment. In their, in their book, How God Changes Your Brain, it's a fascinating book. Uh, neuroscientists Andrew Newberg and Mark Waldman, they're not even believers, but they reveal the eight best ways to exercise our brains uh, from the extensive research that they did. And they found the best way to exercise your brain is by having an active faith in your life, that you practice, that guides and directs your life. What you think about and pursue matters. And and also on that list is meditation and engaging in conscious relaxation, or we could say spending time in scripture and spending time in silence and solitude. God has designed your physical brain for this. Your brain actually is healthy when we're doing this. And so we have this tension operating in our lives at all times. The choice of whether we allow our minds to wander into unhealthy places or we can choose to be intentional to bring our thoughts back to practices that foster thankfulness and gratefulness in our lives. And the thing is, we know it can feel so natural to complain. It can feel so natural to feel discontent, to focus on negative feelings. Over the past few years, I've discovered parts of, in my, of my personality that I know are inclined to engage in sort of this never-ending critique of myself. Like it's just, my brain naturally goes there. It's part of my personality. And, I, and, and if I'm not watching myself, I just drift in that direction. So applying 
2 Corinthians 10.5 to my life is something that I must constantly remind myself of. Which it says there in 2 Corinthians 10 to take every thought captive or under obedience to Jesus. Partnering with the Holy Spirit. Seeking the renewal of my mind like Paul talks about in Romans 12. So this is where constant daily time in scripture is the bare minimum to keep me aligned to the way of Jesus. Reading it, listening to it. You know, one of the things I did this week as I was processing Philippians is I just, I put Philippians on. And actually, I was, I was trying to make an ice rink in our backyard, and I just, I had Philippians going, and I think I listened to it four or five times in a row. And then I did it some other times in the week too, just letting Philippians sink into me. It, it was glorious. Like, it, there was something profound to just listen again and again and again to what God is speaking. I want to I encourage, and Larry stole my thunder, but it's okay, because it shows that the Holy Spirit's speaking. This is what I have in my notes. I want to encourage every one of us to set a goal to read through the Bible this year. Everyone. Means reading about four chapters a day, I think it is. That's what it averages out to. And I, the version Bible app has great plans. I wrote that, See? Like the Bible Project and like other, there's lots of great plans. But I want to encourage us, see it as a discipline. Like I would say, yes, go for it. See it as a discipline to foster contentment in your life. Aligning your mind and your heart with the words of God daily. And at the end of the year, you'll go, I've read through the entire word of God. Like, have you ever done that? And if you have, great, do it again. But I've read through the entire scriptures, you can say, at the end of the year. And as you read the word, believe it. No, like, I mean actually believe it. Like trust in the Lord. Rely on him. Take the words of God as absolute truth. When you feel anxious, when you feel worried, when you feel uncertain about the future, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds, it says in Christ Jesus. Paul says it in, right there at the beginning of Philippians 4. Hold that to that absolute truth. This is who God is. This is what he will do in me. Let's set our minds on the things above where Jesus is rather than going to substitutes for dopamine hits. Number four, way to be content. Invest in personal relationships. You know, it's interesting. Paul spends a lot of time in Philippians, speaking about personal relationships, his love for those who he is writing, the joy that he prays with when he thinks about them, the care that those in Philippi showed for Paul when he was in need. He specifically speaks of his relationship with Timothy and with Epaphroditus, the way they served and they worked alongside him, and the relational bond they formed. Paul pleads the beginning of chapter 4 with two women who worked with him to settle their differences and agree with one another. And, and as I was listening to the audio of this letter being read in my ears, the importance of investing in relationships for Paul became clearer to me, like just hearing what he was saying. This, this is of crucial importance in our church and in our lives together. It's not just about a single verse, like, oh, look, that verse. It's, it's more than that here. It's, it's the whole theme throughout Paul's letter of what he was saying to the church. Relationships together that are centered around Jesus 
and his way, encouraging one another, serving one another, helping one another to follow Jesus, have incredible impact on our contentment, even in the face of really tough circumstances. And so investing, investing in personal, personal relationships speaks of intention, it speaks of commitment and cost when it comes to relationships. Doing this with people who care for you, who pray for you, who speak life into you. Those who will share your troubles and bear your burdens. Paul experienced great joy in the care that these people showed for him. And it eased his troubles. You know, it's interestingly, interesting in, in how God changes your brain. The, the research showed actually that the second best way to exercise your brain after faith is dialogue with others. Our need for social interaction. This is what they say. They say, in fact, any form of social isolation will damage important mechanisms in the brain, leading to aggression, depression, and various neuropsychiatric disorders. I, I was reading this and I went, okay, we have placed safety and health as gods that I think we're bowing down to. And I'm not saying we should just reject all of it but we have to realize what social isolation does to us. And we need to start to really consider this in 2021. You need people. You need people. We need to connect during this time and invest in personal relationships. It might be coming on a Zoom prayer call. It might be coming on after our Zoom fellowship, after the service today. Little ways. It's not about that these are the programs we're doing. It's about... I need to connect with people. And from that comes the gift of contentment. Fifth way we find contentment, no matter what comes in 2021. Find your joy in the Lord. Stuck in a prison cell, Paul speaks of rejoicing because the hope of Jesus was being preached. Paul, he says, I, he continued to rejoice as he took comfort in the prayer that was taking place for him and the help given to him by the Spirit of Jesus, he says, by the Holy Spirit. He, he was rejoicing in that. Like He knew this was going on. And the secret for Paul being able to rejoice was that he lived for Jesus above all else. That Jesus would be glorified in him. Whether I live or whether I die, whether I'm on this earth or whether in death, Jesus being glorified. Paul's like, that's where it ends for me. And Paul, he sought to stir up this joy in the Philippians as well. He references an issue that stirred a lot of division in the early church. The idea that one had to become a devout Jew to follow Jesus. And very strongly, Paul, who he had been a devout Jew himself, he says... It's not about that. It's about Jesus. It's about being in him. It's about sharing in his suffering his, and his resurrection. It's, he says it's just about knowing him. And that changes everything. And around that issue, when Paul says this, just don't worry about those side issues. It's about Jesus. He says, rejoice in the Lord. And then, in fact, in chapter 4, he goes on and he tells them, again, he says, rejoice in the Lord. And just to drive it home, he says, and again, I say, rejoice. I take that. When I look at Philippians, I go, where to pursue joy in the Lord? 
We're to be sowing it. We're to be cultivating it. We're to be growing it. We're to be intentionally engaging in worship, scripture, prayer, immersing ourselves in the truth of God, seeking after and hungering for the presence of God. We want more. Your presence, Lord, all around us. This is what I want in 2021. I, I want that in 2020 for me, and I want that for the church. And as you pursue this, you remind yourself what matters. Living out the truth that our citizenship is in heaven, as Paul says. We're living for eternity. We're not living for the moment. We're reminding ourselves amidst all the mess of the world. And there's tons of mess. But we're reminding ourselves what awaits us. The last practice that I want to highlight to pursue contentment as we end this morning in 2021 is cover everything in prayer. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, every situation, every circumstance, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Prayer is the antidote to anxiety and worry. Prayer is the thing that will help you get past your fear. It brings us into the presence of God and his peace that goes far beyond any understanding that we could have or hope to have. It ushers in God's presence into the storms that seek to rage in our hearts and our minds and it brings peace. Prayer is the companion, actually, that goes alongside every other practice mentioned here. It, it is the means by which we invite the work of Jesus into our lives. And so we're going we're gonna to be going into a time of setting aside some time here as a church for prayer and fasting in the next couple weeks. And it's an opportunity to foster this practice of prayer in your life, to make time, to have to make effort to come together with others to pray, to begin a practice of prayer in your life that will carry you in 2021 and beyond. And so I want to I conclude by bringing us back to the beginning. You can be content in 2021, no matter what happens. But it doesn't depend on you. Yes, it involves your participation, it involves our commitment, but ultimately we are entirely dependent on Jesus to endure and respond well. So I wanna, I wanna give us some questions to help us in applying uh, this to our lives this morning. I wanna give us three questions, sort of have some sub-questions in there, but you'll see them on the screen. First one is asking yourself, how do, how do I feel heading into 2021? Am I submitting this year to the Lord? Number two is, what, what do I rely on for my contentment? How much of that that I'm relying on is outside of my control? How, how, how many things am I not realizing maybe that you're basing your contentment on these things have to happen. This needs to fall into place. And assessing what are those things. Number three, how can I begin to apply these six practices for contentment this week 
as we enter a new year, as we're just on the cusp of this year, how can we sow these practices that we see here in Philippians into our life? And because God's word is truth, and Jesus is above all things, he is. Jesus is seated above all things. I am confident that we can be content no matter what comes at us in 2021. And so I just want to leave that with us and say, as Paul ends his letter to the Philippians, I want to end it this way with us this morning too. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with our spirits as we enter into 2021. Amen. Lord Jesus, we receive these words. This morning is from you. They are words of life. They are the bread of life for us. You are the bread of life and your words are truth for us. As we seek to understand them, as we put them into practice in our lives, they have incredible power to bring about your presence and work of transformation in our lives. And we receive that this morning. We receive that as we enter into this year. Jesus, you're good. You're good and you love us. And no matter what comes, like Paul, we can say we're relying on you, Jesus. We're relying on your strength. We're looking to you to endure and to respond well. Help us, Holy Spirit. Help us where we may feel fatigued or tired or frustrated or just at the end of our rope. Maybe we're encouraged. Maybe we're full of hope for what this year is going to bring in our lives. Whatever it is, Holy Spirit, we yield to you and to your way this morning. Jesus, you're so good. Your name is above all names. You're powerful. We submit our lives to you.